Good morning. Greetings in the name of the Lord Jesus. A blessing to see all of you. A number of uh, guests among us. We're thankful for your presence with us here today. <clears throat> I think my message will be a little bit like the devotional was, kind of directed toward dads and fathers, but not exclusive. <laughs> you know, the Word of God is that way. Um, it has application across the board, even though we sometimes give it a specific direction. Perhaps we could uh, stand together and pray. You're able, stand with me. <clears throat> Father, we are thankful this morning again. We are blessed with the privilege of gathering as a church body. We have the freedom to do so, and we thank you for that. Thank you, Lord, for all that are present this morning. And Lord, for anyone who would have wish to be here, but haven't, aren't able, Lord, we ask a blessing on, on them as well. And Father, as we now uh, come to this part of the service, uh, bless, pour out your Spirit upon us, even as Jesus said, without me you can do nothing, and truly, that is, that is uh, truth, and we, we, uh, we look to you and ask for the blessing of your spirit to enable us to teach the word and to enable us to hear and understand the word and to enable us, Father, to walk in the truth of your word. So bless this part of the service. Bless each one present. Father, we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> you may be seated. I've titled today's message, The Important Role of a Father. I'm going to begin in, Ma in Malachi chapter 4. Some familiar verses to many of us, I think. I'm going to read the entire chapter, chapter 4. It's only six verses of Malachi. Last words of the Old Testament. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, all that do wickedly shall be stubble, and the, day that and the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings." And he shall go forth and grow up as a cat, as, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under your under the soles of your feet in that in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded un, unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the, the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet 
before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. <clears throat> All right, uh, so we've, we've, uh, uh, I've read this chapter, and I'm just going to point out a few things in this chapter. Um, we have in this chapter, uh, well, first of all, this is, you know, this is the closing chapter of the Old Testament. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's the kind of thing where we often consider closing words, last words, important words. Uh, it's often that way. And in this last chapter, we have uh, several, uh, a number of subjects addressed. Almost every verse addresses a different subject. The first verse addresses the subject of judgment and a coming judgment, uh, which is a subject of the scriptures that uh, God will at some point reckon with wickedness and there will be judgment for uh, the wicked who have refused to turn to God, have refused to follow God, have refused to hear God. There's uh, verse 2 speaks of the Son of Righteousness. Now, this was before this, these, uh, this, was, uh, this scripture, these words were given before the Lord Jesus ever came. To, uh, was ever born. So it addresses the subject of the Son of Righteousness, which is the Son of God. Verse 4 addresses the subject of the Law of Moses and the importance of it, which is what the Old Testament folks were living by, should have been living by. <clears throat> Verse 5 speaks of prophets, and God used prophets various times in uh, his dealings with man and uh, his people. And verse uh, 6 speaks of the need of the hearts of fathers to be turned toward their children and the need of the hearts of children to be turned toward their fathers. So I say all of that to just give us a context of this verse. And, and, and then it happens to be yet the very last verse of the Old Testament. The context, if we, if we, as we look at the context, we almost have to be convinced that somehow this subject is of very great importance of fathers and their hearts and the children's hearts because it's listed among some of the last words, some of the uh, subjects that are, in fact, what we would call some of the predominant subjects of Scripture. Judgment of sin and evil. A son of righteousness rising with healing in his wings, which is the Lord Jesus. The law of Moses, which was uh, the uh, uh, instruction manual for the, uh, God's people for many, many years. You know, it, it, uh, and in that context, God says, that uh, lifts up, lifts up this relationship of fathers and their children. Um, we're going to look at um, 
uh, some more regarding this, and I'd like to like to first of all, uh, I, 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 as the title said, the important role of a father. I'd like to first of all just take a look from the scripture, several different scriptures, on how God actually views the role of a father. And of course, uh, the first scripture would be right here in Malachi. And uh, just uh, notice how that verse 6 speaks of uh, the need for the hearts of fathers to be turned toward their children and the hearts of children to be turned toward their fathers, lest the outcome, if that doesn't happen, if that is not in place, the outcome is not desirable. I will smite the earth with a curse. Uh, let's look at a different scripture. Genesis chapter 18. Turn there. Genesis chapter 18. We'll read verses 17 and 19. And just... Notice again the relationship of a father and, ch and his children and the outcome. Verse 17 of Genesis 18. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? And uh, that thing was just ahead of, uh, this context is just ahead of Sodom and Gomorrah being destroyed. Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him? For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. Notice the total uh, difference that we had uh, from what we read in Malachi. Here we see God is looking at God. This is God's testimony of Abraham that Abraham, in fact, has his heart, heart turned toward his children, that the earth is, because of that, the earth is going to be blessed. All nations of the earth are going to be blessed. Total opposite that we saw in Malachi where it talked about a, uh, basically a curse if, if uh, the heart of fathers weren't turned toward their children. So, again, we conclude from this scripture also that the, the, uh, God's, God views the role of a father as something very important. It's not a side issue with God. Um, let's go to Deuteronomy and just follow the, the thought a bit. Deuteronomy 4. Deuteronomy 4, verse 9, Only take heed to thyself, and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest 
they depart from thine heart all the days of thy life. But teach them to thy sons and thy sons' sons. Uh, and again, we have the relationship of a father to his children. And not only in this verse, it actually also extends to the grandchildren. Teach them to your sons and to your sons' sons. Uh, then just turn over to Deuteronomy 11. This theme shows up various times. And again, I'm going to read a number of verses here, and you'll see the, you'll see the, the instruction, the, the burden of God of this matter of the relationship of fathers to the children and the resulting blessing or lack of blessing if it's not in place. And I'm going to begin in Deuteronomy 11, verse 18. Therefore shall ye lay up these my words in your heart and in your soul, and bind them for a sign upon your hand, that they may be as frontlets between your eyes, and ye shall teach them your children, speaking of them while when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt write them upon the doorposts of thine house, and upon thy gates, that your days may be multiplied, and the days of your children, in the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers to give them, as the days of heaven upon the earth. <clears throat> I think I'll just read a bit further yet. For if ye shall diligently keep all these commandments which I command you to do them, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to cleave unto him, then the Lord will drive out these nations from before you, and ye shall possess greater and greater nations and mightier than yourself. Every place whereon your soles of your feet shall tread shall be yours from the wilderness and Lebanon, from the river and the river Euphrates, even unto the uttermost sea shall your coasts be. There shall no man be able to stand before you, for the Lord your God shall lay the fear of you and the dread of you upon all the land that you shall tread upon, as he said unto you. Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse, a blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day, and a curse if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside out of the way which I command you this day to go after other gods which ye have not known. And again, just uh, uh, reflecting a little bit on the, on the call, uh, first of all, as fathers, to lay these, lay up these words in your heart and in your soul, and verse 18, and teach them unto your children and the continuing blessing if they do so. And of course, the curse, as it says in verse 28, if they do not. Also, I'm going to turn over to Psalm 78. You might turn there as well, Psalm 78. Again, reading a number of verses, beginning in verse 1, Psalm 78. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. 
So there we have fathers telling their children. And we, those, that generation says, we will not hide them from, we will not hide them from their children, showing the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He hath done. For He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which He commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which shall be born, who shall arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. And I'll stop there, but here we again have uh, uh, clearly, you know, fathers uh, teaching children uh, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which shall be born, and those children shall arise and declare them to their children. So we, we just see that theme, uh, fathers teaching their children, uh, fathers passing on the great things of God to the next generation. It's a theme that the scripture has quite a bit to say about. It's, it's a theme that is important to God. Uh, it's a... Uh, well, maybe just a New Testament verse. We have Ephesians 6, verse 4. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You know, last Sunday, uh, Brother Ethan taught us about influences and asked the question, I believe, if I remember correctly, who influences you? You know, if you look at the Scriptures... Who should be your primary influence? You know, maybe not all fathers are worthy. You know, when we look in the world and society, we know it's true. Not all fathers are worthy uh, to be the primary influencers of their children. Especially when you have ungodly and wicked men. And there are such. But... In God's economy, I dare say that God puts in a very high value on the influence of a father to his son, to his children. Uh, In God's uh, economy, it is a very important uh, aspect of of life. And God is expecting uh, God-fearing men to... Uh, take serious their responsibility of influencing that next generation with the things of God and with the uh, yeah the the role the uh, things of the kingdom. <clears throat> so I'm just trying to trying to put it up there uh, where God puts it. It's it's an important role that uh, we are called to fill. As fathers, and not one that we should take lightly, um, because God does want us uh, to be. If you're a father here, God wants you to be a uh, significant influence for right in the lives of your children and those who are in your care. And I realize that influence goes a lot further than just those in your household, but. Uh, 
Let's at least uh, look at it for what it's worth. God does have quite a bit to say about that particular relationship. <clears throat> so having said that, I, I'd like to move on and talk a little bit about just a few points, uh, just po uh, highlight of uh, several points, several qualities of a godly father that uh, will make a, I believe, will make a significant difference in uh, the effect of his influence. Uh, and uh, for some of this, let's turn to Psalm 112. We had um, this past week, Brother Earl Dave and I spent several days in Indiana with uh, at the uh, annual minister's meeting of the Agape Fellowships, Christian Fellowships, and uh, in our morning devotional time, Clinton, at, at the house we were staying, Clinton Overhauser shared a devotional from Psalm 112 uh, and shared it as a, the contrast, the uh, contrast of uh, Proverbs 31 for the women, Psalm 112 for the men, a psalm for men. So let me get to it here. I'm talking and not getting to my page. Uh, so, Psalm 112. Uh, I like to talk about uh, qualities of a father, a few points. Maybe we'll just read down over this psalm. It's only ten verses, and then we'll uh, go back and review it a bit. Praise ye the Lord... Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. His seed shall be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endureth forever. Unto the upright there ariseth light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. A good man showeth favor and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. He shall not be afraid in, of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he see that his desire upon his enemies. He hath dispersed. He hath given to the poor. His righteousness endureth forever. His horn shall be exalted with honor. The wicked shall see it and be grieved. He shall gnash with his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. <clears throat> so a psalm that is, uh, uh, addresses the man that feareth the Lord in verse 1. A good man showeth favor, verse 5. Uh, yeah, addressed to, them, to, to us as men. You know, like it always is, it, scriptures speak to us all, but uh, something for us to think about as men. First, uh, the first uh, quality I'd like to talk about as a f uh, godly father is simply this, that a godly father is at peace with his world. Now, I'll uh, tr explain that a bit, but let's look at a couple of verses here. Verse 6, surely he shall not be moved forever. Verse 7, he shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. Verse 8, his heart is established, 
he shall not be afraid. <clears throat> so that, uh, that speaks of peace, doesn't it? Uh, basically means that he will not be soon moved, not easily shaken, not afraid, not disturbed, not easily disturbed by the things that are going on in his world. Um, he is at peace with his world. Maybe I should define a little bit what is his world. You know, we can define that just as with a simple circle. Uh, any one of you can call that your world. Your world consists of, uh, let's see here, it consists of where you live, the people you interact with, the job you hold, the community you are a part of, the church you go to, the friends and the associations that you have, and that's not all inclusive, but that's your world. You know, uh, I don't know what all happened in Houston, Texas yesterday, but I'm guessing that there was probably somewhere in Houston, Texas, an accident. I'm guessing somebody probably got hurt somewhere, got rushed to a hospital. Uh, there might have been a shootout. I don't know. I didn't look at no news. But you know what? It doesn't really matter what happened in Houston, Texas. That's not my world. That's not where I live. I don't know anyone there. It doesn't affect me. I could read in the news that there was a pretty major event and I might have some few thoughts of sympathy for those involved, but in general, I'm gonna have, it's going to affect me very, very little. That's not my world. But we all have a world. <laughs> we all live in a world. And it's, it's like I said, it's, the, it's our community. It's the people we work with. It's the, the, the home we live in. The, that's our world. Uh, for two days, my world consisted of a group of men. You know, we were at an annual minister's conference. And nine men had to share two bathrooms and figure out how to do it. <laughs> that was our world for two days. Trying to... And we did all right. We're still friends. But think about it. Uh, not moved, not shaken not afraid, not disturbed. You know, things happen in our worlds, don't they? Um, as, this, as this, yeah, I'm still here. As this scripture says in Psalm 112, he shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid. Um, speaks of being at peace with his world even and uh, notice that um, or, or let me ask you this question um, this individual let's just let's just think about this psalm and uh, 
think about this individual, maybe the individual who penned it and what he was thinking. Was he picturing a perfect world? So he's not, uh, not afraid, so not easily moved. His heart's established. Maybe he's living in a perfect world and there is no need for fear. There's no need for disturbance. There's no need for uh, turmoil. It says here that um, his, he shall not be afraid of evil tidings. You know, our worlds, like I said, our worlds are not perfect. The world, your world, the place you live, the people you work with, the people you interact with, it's not a perfect world. So how, how then do we find peace with our world, with a very imperfect world? And we know it is imperfect. How do we find peace? Because it seems to be one of the attributes of a godly man. And I think it's an important attribute for a godly father who is interested in passing on to his children this kind of a attribute. You know, I was teaching from 1 John, and I'm, today's message is a bit of a uh, detour from that. But the next verses in 1 John would have, been, would have been 1 John 2, 13 and 14. And this is what they read. I write unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. He says a few things to young men and a few things to little children. And then he goes to verse 14. He says, I have written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. Maybe that is one of the, begins to give us a secret to the man who is at peace with his world. Psalm 62 verse 8 says, Trust in him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. <clears throat> Trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart before him. John, Jesus' words in John 14, 1, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Thinking about the secret to being at peace with our world. Psalm 27, 14. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Similar verse in Psalm 31, 24. Be of good courage. He shall strengthen your heart, all ye that hope in the Lord. I believe therein lies the secret to being at peace with our world. Is that uh, trust in God. As this, uh, this Psalm 112, verse 7. His heart is fixed. Trusting in the Lord, and some of these other verses that we read that speak of trusting in the Lord. You know, as I was thinking about this, my uh, and I was thinking, okay, what would who would be an example of this? 
as far as a man who was at peace with his world. And I'm sure there would be a lot. But I thought of Joseph. You know, Joseph, I think we can, uh, we would all agree, I believe, that Joseph was at peace with his world. It shows up all the way through as he responds to the many uh, difficult, very difficult circumstances that his world meted out to him. And he, he, his responses to those difficulties over and over, he was at peace with his world. He had a trust in God that wasn't shaken by his experiences. Uh, quite amazing, really, the testimony that Joseph leaves for us in that. And this uh, Psalm 112 here, verse 4, says, Unto the upright there ariseth light in the darkness. doesn't say that there will be no darkness. It says that there arises a light in the darkness. So we're not told that we're not going to have difficulties. We're not going to experience trials and tribulations and and darkness, moments where we're not sure which way where we're going and which end is up, but there arises a light in the darkness, and that's, that's God's promise. Praise God for that. <clears throat> All right, moving on. Uh, so, several qualities that uh, are important for the godly father. So, first of all, he's at peace with his world. Second of all, he is compassionate. And we find that here in uh, this Psalm 112 as well. Verse uh, 4, the, uh, beginning in the middle of the verse there, it says, He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. A good man showeth favor and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion. And then uh, down in verse 9, he hath dispersed, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness endureth forever, his horn shall be exalted with honor. <clears throat> so he's compassionate. You know, there's a, there's a proverb, Proverbs 11, maybe I'll just read it, I think it's familiar enough to us. Proverbs eleven twenty four and 25 says this, There is that scattereth, and yet increaseth. And there is that withholdeth, withholdeth more than is meat, but it tendeth to poverty. The liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that watereth shall be watered also himself. Now, almost wish I would have put that one in there in the ESV. It might have been a little easier to, it might have made a little more sense, but... Basically, it says there's someone that scatters, in other words, has a heart to give away, and the result is his own. Uh, he gains by it. By scattering, he gains. And then there's a person who hoards to try to keep it, and he loses it. That's what the proverb is saying. Uh, The liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that watereth shall be watered himself. 
there's a scripture there in 2 Corinthians where it uh, says that uh, in ver- uh, chapter 9, verse 6, uh, the context there, he that sows sparingly reaps sparingly, basically talking about uh, giving and, and having compassion on the needs of others. <clears throat> and we know the, the New Testament principle. I think we know it well. Uh, Jesus taught in the Gospels, stated many times, he that, uh, quoting here Matthew sixteen twenty five, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Uh, the, the whole concept of, of uh, when we focus on retaining things for ourselves, they just slip away. And when we focus on blessing and ministering and meeting the needs of others, somehow they come back to us, you know. It's just a kingdom principle. Um, And as I was as I was considering the the, the matter of, of uh, compassion, being a being a, a father, uh, one of the characteristics of a godly father is one who's compassionate. I thought about Isaiah fifty eight, and thought it would be helpful or a blessing to read several of those verses there. In Isaiah fifty eight. The context is is fasting, and the uh, and the and the and the whole chapter is kind of a rebuke to God's people for fasting for wrong reasons. But in Isaiah fifty eight, then he gives us uh, some very fitting words, and I think I'll begin in verse five. Is is it such a fast that I have chosen a, a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush, to spread sackcloth under him? Would thou call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? And he's asking that as a question. Is that a good way to fast? Is that a, is that a meaningful fast? Is that what God uh, appreciates? And he goes on, Is not this the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that ye break every yoke. Talking about things that are going on in our hearts. Uh, that's the fast God is looking for. That we seek God to get freedom from the things that are going on in our hearts. That shouldn't be there. And then he goes on, verse 7. Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry? And that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house. When thou seest the naked, that thou cover him. And that thou hide not thyself from thy own flesh. Verse 8, then shall thy light break forth as the morning and thy health spring forth speedily and thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy rearward. And that, uh, again, just the idea of compassion. I think uh, Brother Ethan uh, in open mic time mentioned that scripture about not inviting those who can recompense us again but to invite those who can't recompense us, to do good to those who can't recompense us. Uh, and that's, that's something for us to consider. It's, it's, uh, it's easy and common in our culture to minister to each other, to, to, to have each other over, and, and, uh, but it's not so common for us to invite some uh, bedraggled person who has nothing to offer us back. 
and we just minister to them. And we uh, do well to be challenged on that point. So a compassion. You know, again, the, um, again thinking of, of um, the, a godly father and the influence that God desires to go from a father to the children. And uh, the influence of, of a compassionate heart is, is I believe, is, is one that is high on God's list as well. That, uh, that as the children uh, relate to their father, they can see a heart of compassion that relates to the needy world around them and uh, has a focus, outward focus, as opposed to an inward focus. A focus of, of seeing the, the world and its needs and trying to do something about it as opposed to just a focus of building my own little uh, empire, whatever that happens to be, which can happen so easily. So a, a, heart, a, a heart of compassion. All right, and then uh, moving on, the next point uh, I'd like to just think about a little, and this was probably touched even more thoroughly in the devotional, but I'll just mention it here in Psalm, back to Psalm 112, verse 1. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that greatly delighteth in his commandments. You know, one of the character, one of the qualities of a, of a, of a godly father is that he delights in the things of Christ, in the things of the Lord. They're a high priority in his life. Uh, the familiar psalm, Psalm 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Uh, and there's, there's several, uh, there would be a number of verses in Psalm, Psalm 119, you know, that great big long psalm. Uh, verse 16, I will delight myself in thy statues. I will not forget thy word. Verse 35, make me to go in the path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. And I like to focus on the word delight. You know, Psalm 112, uh, blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. And I remember it being mentioned in the devotional that uh, uh, that if our if our heart is at least this is what I caught if our heart is grudging about doing the things of God it it won't pass on what we want it to pass on and the Scripture speaks of delight uh, delighting in the things of God and has all to do with our heart a heart that uh, loves God and and engages in the things of God, and is delighted at the opportunity to engage in the things of God. Is delighted at the opportunity to be active in the kingdom. And today, in our world, uh, much of kingdom life uh, you know, we express our faith as a body, a church body, and, and much of kingdom focus has its roots there and goes out from there and and uh, are we able to delight in church life and and uh, the 
blessings of it and the benefits of it and the aspirations of it and the, our involvement in it and our contribution to it and all those things. Can we, can we be in a place, uh, are we in a place where our heart delights in the opportunity? And it's Sunday morning. We get to go to church. We get to lay aside the daily things and go and be with the people of God. Has basically has to do with uh, our posture of heart. So I'd like to encourage us in the in the in the posture of delighting in the things of God and uh, the opportunities of the kingdom, rather than uh, I have to, I get to. Rather than I have to, I get to. Rather than I have to do my devotions, I get to do my devotions. Rather than I have to make an adjustment in my life here because the brothers agreed together that this is an area of concern, I get to. I get to. Does it include that? Delightful Christian living? Uh, You know, it, it, uh, we, may, we may feel like we can hide some of our feelings of not wanting to in certain things, but you know they leak out. Somehow they leak out. Uh, so just be aware of that. Work on uh, when things are tough and you feel like it's I really didn't want the church to make that decision or go that way on it uh, work on that uh, to bring your heart along to a delight and you understand I mean I'm not uh, telling you to be fake about it but if we if we uh, if we uh, aren't able to bring our hearts to rest and be delightful about the things of God and, and, the, and the, the kingdom, it'll just simply have a, a negative effect on those we are influencing. Those are our children generally and others. So a, a, um, a godly father delights in the things of Christ and his kingdom. Those are only three points. He's at peace with his world. He's compassionate. And he delights in the things of Christ. You know, it's, it's not the typical um, spend time with your children, Father's Day message. It's not the typical six point, seven point, uh, do this, do this, do this to improve your relationships with your children, to be a good dad. So where do these points come in? Well, or do they have anything to do with being a father? As, uh, and I think there could be, there could be more points but th- uh, that would fit in this same category, but uh, these are the few that I have this morning 
These are a few foundational stones that successful fathering is built on. Just a few. I think there could be others. But uh, I would like to encourage you with that. The important role of a father. God views it as a very important role. And uh, I want to encourage us to do the same. To embrace it. To love it. To give it our give it our all. All right. Let us kneel together if you're able, and we will close with prayer. <clears throat> Father, thank you. Thank you for all the fathers in this room. Thank you for the fathers whose influence is represented in this room, but they're not here. Some of them may have passed on. Some of them may just be at a different house of worship this morning. But we thank you for those fathers, all of them. And Father, I pray that today, again, and I know, I know these things are close to our hearts and probably close to the heart of every father that's here. And I pray that today, again, we as fathers could uh, be refreshed in our passion and our burden to, to run well in this area, to run well. Bless the fathers. Bless them with your Holy Spirit to enable them to uh, live a full kingdom life and to be able to, uh, by example, show to their uh, offspring what what, uh, kingdom living is and how it works and how it's done and the beauty and blessing of it. Lord, bless us as fathers and mothers. We've not spoken of the responsibility. I believe the same could be said. Lord, bless our mothers as well. And bless us all here, young and old. Thank you. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.